inspiration. You were there to help me out. You just saw the need and said, can I help you? We learn a lot from watching other horses and watching other riders. I'm Julie Goodnight, and thank you for listening to my podcast about horse training and equestrian sports. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss a single episode. And if you get a chance, please give this podcast a rating and a review. It helps me out a lot, and it helps other horse lovers find this podcast. Since the last time we recorded, it's uh, now full-on summer. We've been dealing with a lot of heat, and hopefully... Uh, we're going to start getting some moisture. We're in the midst of a terrible drought. The uh, the first batch of the hay crop has come in, and uh, we were able to acquire some awesome, beautiful green hay, but um, the yields are low and the prices are high, and I'm afraid there's going to be shortages this year. So um, hay, hay buying is going to be a challenge in a lot of the country. So uh, that was a big focus of mine for this past month around the barn. Uh, the horses are all doing great. Uh, my young horse, Pepper, has really turned into a mature broke horse. I'm real proud of him. He's, he's fun to ride. He acts sensible most of the time. Uh, we're working on higher level maneuvers now, like rollbacks and lead changes. And also, some of you may have seen the... Uh, project we've been working on training Doc Gunner. He's a four-year-old deaf paint horse that was rescued back in December in Kansas. He was rehabilitated in Oklahoma City and then ultimately found his way here to me in Colorado in the middle of May. Uh, That was about 60 days ago. And I am foster training this horse in preparation for um, him becoming adopted, and we don't know who's going to adopt him yet. That remains unseen, but my job is to take care of him during this transitional phase and to give him the training he needs to be successful throughout his life. So if you've missed uh, any of that, you can uh, find that whole campaign. We've been uh, sharing most of his training live on Facebook, and you can also view those videos on Facebook or on YouTube. So other than horses and hay and and um, enjoying Colorado in the summer, I've been spending a lot of time at the lake, boating, fishing, swimming, paddle boarding. Um, that's been um, kind of a fun bonus for me, the time that I would have spent traveling. I gave me some extra time to spend in the boat doing what I love to do. So uh, it's been a nice summer for me so far. One bright side to the shutdown is that I've seen a big increase in my online interactive training program, which is of course open to any riders of any discipline or ability level. And it includes horsemanship assignments and the study resources that go along with the assignments, as well as personalized coaching from me. So we message back and forth and I look at videos and all that kind of stuff. And currently with, I guess, so many people spending more time with their horses than normal, I've got quite a few active students and some of them have multiple horses that they're 
uh, working on with every exercise. So it's really been fun for me to help and uh, also fun for me to follow the progress that they're making. A lot of you have been giving me feedback on the daily doses of horsemanship homework that we've offered uh, through the initial uh, shutdown. And it's it's been real gratifying. We've gotten a lot of really positive feedback and people that have made transformative changes with their horses just from hearing and listening and watching and thinking about things in a little bit different way. And and that's certainly been fun for me as well. So we have a lot of online programs. We also offer library subscriptions with hundreds of training videos, audios, and articles, plus 260 episodes of Horsemaster streaming on demand. All of that is searchable content. So it's super easy for you to find the answers you need when you need them. So check that out at signin.juliegoodnight.com. Also, We've got a new online short course on building confidence with horses. Also getting excellent reviews on that one. It's a, um, it's a package of resource materials and assignments and exercises for you that will help you control your nerves and, and feel more confident and enjoy your riding a little bit more. So it's published and available at shop.juliegoodnight.com. And also we're working on a new short course that is about a training process for de-spooking your horse. And that'll be available soon. And so if you're eager to find out about that de-spooking short course, uh, you wanna, might want to make sure you're signed up for my newsletter that comes out every other week or every couple of weeks. And um, you can go to my website and sign up for that. And then you'll be the first to know about our new releases. Today's topic is how to stay safe with horses. I'll give you some practical guidance and some sage advice. We'll talk about danger zones around horses, how to prevent accidents, and we're going to talk about your personal safety habits. Being conscientious about safety around horses will help build your confidence and help you enjoy the ride even more. Plus, I've got some brand new questions to answer straight from our listeners in the What the Hey Q&A segment at the end of this podcast. The topic for today's podcast actually came from one of our listeners, Audrey Davis-Stock. Thank you, Audrey, for taking the time to write down your suggestion for a topic. And Audrey writes, although I've been around horses a lot, even trained in animal Reiki, I can't ever seem to rid myself of anxiety that I always experience when I'm around them. When a horse goes into the slightest level of flight mode, it stimulates my flight response. I've had a few falls, owned a horse when I was younger, but she was a dream. No spook, no bad habits, nothing. Staying safe around horses would be a good topic. I'd like to see you present. Unfortunately, this anxiety keeps me from riding as much as I'd like to be. I do go to a barn every weekend to help out and really enjoy my time there, but always with some level of anxiety when I have to handle a horse or choose to ride. We met last year at Equine Affair in Massachusetts. I bought a set of your reins, which I love. 
I've learned a great deal from you, Julie, and appreciate the programs you've been doing during the pandemic. Well, again, thank you, Audrey, for uh, your nice comments and for taking the time to write. And I thought this was a really excellent topic. And so, you know, I've, I've long, of course, been an advocate of safety around horses. I do not believe that um, getting hurt is a, a necessary part of this sport. Um, I have been involved with the Certified Horsemanship Association for almost 30 years, and uh, we are a nonprofit organization that promotes safety in horsemanship. And um, so uh, to me, it's it's a really important subject. I believe that most accidents are preventable that if we um, just have focus, uh, a focus on safety as our uh, first and foremost goal, um, then you can gain a lot of confidence from that because you will, without question, be safer. And you will, uh, with a focus on safety, uh, you will make better decisions and you will avoid accidents. So um, thanks for asking that great question. Now, there's a lot of things to talk about on this subject. And first, I want to just, you know, address a little bit of the horse behavior side of this. You know, horses, first and foremost, are flight animals and they are, are prone to panic attacks. Um, they, uh, there are certain situations that can exacerbate the horse's flight response, and we, we have to become aware of those. But horses um, are, let's see, what's that Mark Twain quote goes something like, they're uh, dangerous at both ends and uncomfortable in the middle. I think that was one of uh, my favorite Mark Twain quotes about horses. But um, so first of all, knowing and understanding the danger zones around horses, you know, 100% of the time that I am around a horse, any horse, my own horse or any strange horse or unfamiliar horse or a horse in my clinic, 100% of the time I am aware of when I am in a danger zone around a horse. And so the horse, uh, it, as Mark Twain said, is dangerous at both ends. So on the front end of the horse, you know, he bites, he strikes, he can sling his head and hurt you. He can knock you down um, just uh, if he's motivated to flight and you just so happen to be in the way. Uh, so the front end of the horse can be quite hazardous. He also has uh, blind zones uh, directly in front of his face and below his face. So we have to always operate very cautiously around the front end of a horse. Also, because he is prone to panic, um, particularly if a horse is tied up or confined in any way, and then you're working around his head or doing something around his head that might make him uncomfortable, um, that's a, a risky, risky proposition. So understanding, um, of course, also the hind end of the horse is a danger zone because the horse kicks. He can also slam his, his weight into you um, quite readily. And um, so there's sort of these certain areas, you know, I, I'm always aware of the kick zone of the horse when I'm in it. And you spend a lot of time in there, you know, we're grooming the horse, we're cleaning out his feet, we're handling him close in, uh, in a trailer, all that kind of stuff where you are in harm's way should the horse have a reaction or startle or bolt or kick or, or something like that. And so 
It's not to say that we never go into those areas. It's just that it's important you have an awareness when you are in the kick zone, for instance, and the horse becomes agitated or aggressive or fearful or flighty. Um, you know, I want to make sure I step back and get out of the way and am extra cautious during those times. So understanding the danger zones, where they are, and then having 100% awareness of when you are in the danger zones and making smart decisions about um, stepping out of the danger zone or being very careful about the activities that you perform when you are within a danger zone. Now, um, Audrey mentioned an interesting um, dynamic between her horse and herself, where as soon as the horse goes into flight, she goes into flight. And so in this case, Audrey's mimicking the horse, but the horse is a mimicking animal as well. And so it's really, really important when you're around horses that are nervous or, or fearful or agitated or emotional in any way, really, that you um, do not throw gas on the flame by yelling and screaming and panicking yourself. You know, you want to slow down. You want to talk slow, calmly to the horse. You want to move slowly and calmly. You want to take a positive action with that horse to, uh, to calm him or turn him or stop him or do whatever to change his trajectory that he's on to get his focus back on you. Um, so horses are mimicking animals. So we have to be aware of that in our behavior around horses. And when a horse is losing it emotionally, um, in that moment, whatever the emotion he's having almost doesn't matter. Um, but it's really important that you connect with that horse in some way. You get inside his head. Um, you, you speak to him, you ask, you, you give him a simple command, come with me or stop or turn or, um, you get inside his head. So he's listening to you, aware of you, most importantly, um, ask him to do something. So he comes back into a thinking frame of mind, asking him to do something really, really simple that he knows how to do, um, no matter how simple it is so that he goes, Oh yeah, yeah. I remember, um, before I panicked, there was this thing I knew how to do. So, um, your behavior, around horses is also extremely important, um, not only in your awareness of how the horse is acting and responding um, and your um, awareness of other things I'm going to talk about in a few minutes, um, but that also your awareness of your own body language, your awareness of your own emotionality. And um, the more emotional and heated the moment is becoming with the horse, the calmer, slower, and more methodical you need to be around that horse so that you're not contributing to the problem. Another good way to make sure you always stay safe around horses is to have um, a step back and take a good look at every scene that you uh, are involved in with horses. And you want to just take a good look around with a critical eye, looking for and planning for what is the worst case scenario that could happen in this particular setting. 
And um, this is something my father taught me early on when I was quite young around horses, that you always want to keep an eye out for the worst case scenario, um, whether that be how you have that horse tied up, where you have him tied up, where you're getting on and off, um, where you're headed out to ride, uh, the pasture, the pen that he's in, where you're catching him. Um, all of these things, any situation or setting that you're in with a horse, just look around. Is there a pitchfork laying up against the wall? Okay. Even though it seems like it's way too far away for that horse to trip over and, and spook himself or stab himself, that where there's a will, there's a way and a horse will figure out how to do it. And that was, you know, what my father always said is if, if it's a possibility, a horse will figure out a way to do it. And um, so, if we develop that eye for the worst case scenario and you go over there and you move that pitchfork or you get that rope out of the way or move the water hose or the wheelbarrow or, um, you know, or, or you avoid riding on that section of the trail because you saw, you know, mountain bikes headed that way, whatever. Um, just have awareness of what, what, what could go wrong here and, and how, what can I do to avoid it? Eventually, horses will find the worst case scenario. So um, think about where accidents happen. They happen a lot when horses are tied up or confined because this, of course, exacerbates the flight response. So when a horse feels nervous, the, his go-to response is to flee. At the moment he begins to panic, if he discovers he's uh, restrained or confined, um, because he's tied up or in a space he didn't want to be in, that exacerbates his panic and it makes him really want to get out of that situation fast. Um, so we always want to be really careful and cautious around horses that are tied um, in, around the horse trailer. Of course, a lot of accidents occur, loading, unloading, horses tied to trailers. I can't tell you how many accidents I people have told me about that have occurred while their horse was tied to another trailer. And, and often it involves uh, another horse, you know, getting involved, running by or running into him or kicking him or something like that. So, um, you know, certainly at horse shows and areas where there are a lot of people with, with strange horses acting in crazy ways, um, these are scenes that I would be extra careful of uh, looking for the worst case scenario. When we are separating horses from the herd, um, so the, whether it's the horse you leave behind or the horse you take out, um, sometimes horses being separated from the herd can become very anxious and more, therefore more prone to panic attacks. Um, being aware of that herd mentality in, in that horse will help you avoid a lot of accidents. You know, one of, something I'm really aware of right off the bat, particularly if I'm, well, even if I'm working with one of my own horses, uh, my little Mariani, she can get so herd bound that I really have to make sure that she, when I, once I get her out, that her focus is on me and she's not uh, listening to the other horses, worrying about the other horses, or fretting over the other horses. And if her, if her attention is not on me, I need to do some groundwork with her until, until I get her attention back and get her in a calmer state. So um, another place uh, horses happen or accidents happen, of course, is out on the trail. Um, so you want to think a lot about the environment that you're in with horses and the activity you're doing. Is it a controlled 
environment or an uncontrolled environment. So when we're riding in an arena, particularly in an indoor arena, that's one of the most controlled settings where, uh, you know, the whole outside world is blocked off and, you know, the horse can't even look around and see much. Um, but if we're in an outdoor arena with um, a, a fence around it, that level of confinement um, gives you uh, some um, additional level of a controlled environment. And presumably there's good footing in there, which is um, all of that is a different level of environment than going out on the trail, going out in the wilderness, going out in the forest or the woods or crossing creeks or rivers or bogs or it's all kinds of hazards that you might encounter on the trail, wildlife, um, storms, wind, rain, um, all of these settings, um, you know, generally they're there is some some additional factor going on when when accidents occurs occur with horses, whether it's uh, something initiated the horse to spook or um, the horse's behavior went south on you. There are mitigating circumstances that led to that situation. So the idea of planning for the worst case scenario is that you see things these things in advance, and you can therefore chart a course to avoid them. Be having good situational awareness around horses, being aware of the environment and your horse's behavior is so important to your safety and also to your level of confidence. So there's a few more areas where accidents or incidents are, are, are more likely to happen. One is when you are around unfamiliar horses. So it's actually statistically proven that people are more likely to get hurt on or around a horse that is unfamiliar to them than they are on horses that are familiar to them. And the reason why is they're quirky animals. And when you, you know, like maybe that horse is afraid of a trash can. And, um, you know, when you know that about a horse and you see that you're riding up on a trash can, you, you could, you know, be, be aware and be careful and take proactive measures to get around it. So when, uh, horses also are very reactive to unfamiliar horses, unless they are around unfamiliar horses a lot. So if you travel a lot with your horse, to go to trail rides and shows and clinics and stuff like that. And you're doing that, you know, frequently your horse is used to being around unfamiliar horses. But if you just keep have a handful of horses at home and that's all those horses know, um, they can get quite reactive around unfamiliar horses. It's just a natural um, reaction to, to herd uh, with herd animals. So that's a, a area I want to be extra careful around. And also the same goes for an unfamiliar location. Horses are very, very aware of their, where they live and the places they're familiar with. They know every nook and cranny. They know, um, you know, the way the trees are and the branches are and the barrel sitting over there and the tarp over here and the um, bush that scares them every time over there. So they're, they're very location, uh, specific in their behavior. They're very aware of their location. 
and uh, they take great comfort from a known location. So when we take a horse, again, if he's not a horse that's used to traveling to an unfamiliar location, you should, um, you know, have your antenna up when you do that. Be aware that in an unfamiliar location, he may give you an unfamiliar reaction. And um, it's normal and logical for that horse to be unsure of himself, to be nervous and frightful, to behave in ways that he doesn't behave at home. And it, you know, it's funny how it, it, when you, when I teach horsemanship clinics and there could be, you know, as many as 25 or 30 horses uh, at the clinic. And um, for many of them, it's the first experience of that nature they've ever done. Some of them are young, green horses and, um, or some of them are just horses with, with little traveling experience. And it always surprises me how shocked people are that their horse acts differently in that setting that he does at home. Horses are extremely location specific in their behavior. And just because your horse performs in a certain way or at a certain level at home, has almost no bearing on how well he's going to perform when you take him away from home, unless you have already taken him away from from home and performed many, many, many times. So it is not only understandable that a horse is going to be more nervous and reactive in an unfamiliar location, you should actually expect that to happen. And then if you can take proactive measures you can avoid the problems, avoid the emotionality, help your horse gain confidence, um, and and you could be better prepared for dealing with um, any emotional reaction that he might have. Now, there's also just some naturally scary things about the environment that we have to have awareness of and kind of think like a horse and and try to try to be a try to understand that these are prey animals and they have a very strong prey instinct and they are always alert to predators when they're in a strange location. But when you go into a um, wooded area, a a forested area, trail riding, um, people describe to me all the time that their horse does fine when they're riding out in the open, but as soon as they get in the in the deep woods, the horse is very spooky. Sometimes it's the opposite. If your horse is used to being in a treed area and then gets out in the open, he might be a little more nervous. But there are some things that are just natural for a horse to be afraid of. And a wooded area, um, predators often attack from above, so they can be more nervous there where they can't see things coming. Um, when you're in boggy areas, muddy areas, um, sometimes uh, ditches, uh, man-made ditches can be very disconcerting to horses, um, I, I believe, because of their vision. And they just, they have an intuitive way of knowing when things are unnatural in a natural environment, and that tends to um, throw them off their game a little bit. So you just kind of want to use common sense. You know, is it windy and stormy today? Well, your horse is probably going to be a little spooky and reactive. Is, is this area we're contemplating riding in have a lot of heavy traffic, loud noises, um, you know, mountain bikes, whatever. There are certain things that are going to be normal for 
for any horse to react to. And you again, want to be aware of those things and be proactive in either avoiding them or being prepared for dealing with them. Another really important area to talk about in terms of staying safe around horses is the horse itself. And first of all, making sure that you are properly mounted on a horse that's suitable to your ability level and that has um, adequate amount of training and experience for what you want to do with him. And I know that seems like a no-brainer, but I'm often shocked at uh, the people I see riding unsafe horses and um, shocked in the fact that I see people riding horses that I personally wouldn't ride. And I've been a professional rider all my life. And I have a high level of confidence on a horse. And um, I watch people that are new to the sport, don't have um, really a high level of capability riding horses at that are either very untrained or extremely messed up in their training. And you're just asking for trouble there. And it's, it's a recipe for disaster. And so making sure if you really want to be safe around horses, one of the most important things that you can do is make sure you are around safe horses and, um, you know, there's lots of horses out there that need a home and that are green or, or need a little extra help, but don't bite off more than you can chew. And if you are working with a horse that, uh, maybe has had a traumatic past or has had uh, bad training or no training, um, don't be be very smart about what you do with that horse. Don't put yourself in situations where you're in over your head. Don't put yourself out there uh, where an accident is likely to happen. Be smart, take it slow, get help. And um, so also consider the people that you hang out with. I think this is almost as equally as important as the horses. Make sure you hang out and ride with people that are like-minded, that take safety seriously. Um, I would, you know, consider that uh, you might want to hang out with people that have as much or more ability level than you do. So, you know, if you if you want to really feel safe and confident, go out with people, hang out with people that know more than you, that are willing to help you. Um, at the very least, hang out with people that know as much as you and are like-minded in terms of being safety-oriented and that are like-minded in terms of helping each other. So make sure you have agreed-upon rules of you know where you're going to go, how fast you're going to ride, all that kind of stuff. So these are sort of big decisions, big overbearing decisions that we make that um, you know, could involve everything from where you board your horse to the trainer that you take them to, to the people that you, you ride with and, um, and the horses that you choose. And so, you know, sometimes in hindsight, we, we, we realize we've made the wrong mistake, but, um, thinking about these things ahead of time, uh, can be really useful. And if you, if you are in a situation where you have a horse that you think is, is probably too much horse for you, 
well, let's find a solution. There's, there's, there are solutions out there and uh, we, we just need to discover them. It does, you know, will training help? Is there, you know, some advice you can get from a trainer or a friend? Uh, can we send that horse uh, to someone to ride for a little bit of extra time? Can you go take lessons on another horse to get your skill level up? Uh, can you do something to improve your confidence and be able to manage that horse better? So, um, you know, the, the decision nobody wants to make is, you know, do I have to uh, maybe move on to another horse because this one is just not appropriate? And uh, while that is a very, very hard decision to make, it could be um, one of the most important decisions you make when it comes to your safety. So get some advice from someone that knows more than you and um, find the solution um, to, so that everybody can stay safe. So your personal safety habits have a lot to do with staying safe around horses. Um, the way that you dress, the footwear, you know, I'm, I'm adamant about being uh, properly clothed and uh, wearing good, strong, solid foot footwear around horses. Um, I, you know, I would uh, always wear a leather boot or a boot specific to horses and riding. And, um, you look, when you're around horses, you're going to get your foot stepped on without question at some point. So, um, make sure, uh, you're well-prepared. Same thing, you know, in terms of having long pants on and, um, when you're riding, um, many, um, you know, you're trail riding, you probably want to consider long sleeves as well. And, um, even gloves. I, I, if I'm doing anything involving ropes and handling horses, I generally want to wear gloves to protect my hands. And then of course, wearing a helmet when you ride is sort of a no brainer. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of helmet wearing. I wear Troxel helmets. They fit my head the best. And I think they're a, a great helmet, a lot of bang for the buck in that helmet, uh, many different styles and price ranges, but find a helmet that you're comfortable in, that you like wearing. Um, everybody's head is a little bit different and you might have to try uh, a few different brands of helmets before you find that uh, one that you can be comfortable in. For me, I have a Troxel head, so that's the shape of helmet that fits my head the best. And, um, so wear a helmet. It's not hard to do. Um, I don't know why horse people are so resistant to it. We wear helmets in skiing and mountain biking and whitewater paddling and rock climbing. Uh, why we wouldn't wear them on a thousand pound flight animal. I don't know. So then also, you know, your personal behavior around horses. Look, we all do stuff that's stupid at times, whether that's you know, ducking under a lead rope to a horse's tide or, or stick, going under his belly or, um, you know, standing somewhere where we shouldn't, or, you know, we, we get complacent around horses that we're familiar with and, uh, particularly those good old solid uh, horses that we've been around a lot and we let down our guard. And next thing you know, um, you've had a wreck because you were ducking under that rope or, or doing something that you knew better that you shouldn't have been doing. And, um, sometimes we're, we're cutting corners or getting in a hurry or cheating just a little bit. I'll, you know, I'm not going to put that thing away. Uh, I'll put it away later. And then it blows off the rail and spooks your horse or whatever. So just having good 
conscientious behavior and habits around your horses will go a long way. Certainly uh, avoiding being alone with horses, riding alone, that's just asking for trouble. I, I know, I get it. A lot of people do. I do myself um, sometimes. But when you, you know, if you're going to take a chance like that, just, just make sure you mitigate the risk as best you can. Make sure you've informed somebody where you are and when you're going to be back and uh, make sure somebody knows to be looking out for you should something go wrong. You know, make sure you have some identity on your horse, identity on you, um, all those kind of things. And then obviously, you know, make sure that you're realistic about your ability level and your um, decision making so that riding off alone, you've thought this through. You're not just doing it blindly and without thought, but you've thought through all the things that could go wrong and you've done your best to mitigate them. And finally, something I'd like you to think about in terms of staying safe with horses is that there's really no such thing as a freak accident. Almost all accidents involving horses were preventable. And you may, you may scoff at that at first, but if you really think about it, you think about every incident you've been involved with regarding horses, you will be able to find a way that accident could have been prevented. And I know for a fact, for myself, every single time I've been hurt around a horse, I was doing something stupid at the moment. I reached out and startled a horse and he kicked me. I, you know, reprimanded a horse when I was standing in a mud puddle and slipped and fell when he, when he, uh, when he reacted. And, you know, falling off, spooking, whatever, accidents in the trailer, um, almost all accidents are preventable. There are very, very few freak accidents in this world. And so you, you need to look at every incident that you're involved in and find the learning lesson there. What could you have done to, to avoid it? Even if that meant not saddling that horse that day, even if that meant not going on that trail ride, there was something you could have done to avoid it. And it's important that you think about that, you review that, and you learn from it. If we learn from every incident that we have around horses, you just get safer and safer and safer. So that's kind of part of planning for the worst case scenario as well, is really taking an honest look at the, uh, the difficult situations you've been in with horses and figure out what you could have done to change that dynamic, to change that trajectory, to prevent what happened from happening. And in doing so, you will learn a lot and you will gain confidence from that because you'll then be armed with the knowledge that you're not going to let that happen again. So just keep that in mind. And um, this is something we talk a lot about in the Certified Horsemanship Association when we're certifying riding instructors. And our number one concern is uh, their safety level around horses, both their own personal safety and their awareness of, of safety around them. Um, we talk a lot about um, having a good eye for preventing accidents. Um, CHA also pub publishes um, a widely uh, accepted safety standards in the horse industry. 
and as well as a fabulous horsemanship manual called the Composite Manual of Horsemanship. And it's English and Western and trail horsemanship at four different levels from the very beginning to advanced riding, all combined in one manual with a really, really strong focus on safety. So it's a really valuable resource for parents and for teachers and instructors and for um, even people that are just coaching of their riders and for riders themselves that just want to make sure that you're armed with um, all the knowledge you need to have um, a, a perspective on safety when you're around horses. And now it's time for my favorite segment, What the Hey Q&A. We pick a few unique questions from our listeners each month and answer them on the air. So if you'd like to submit a written question for the What the Hay segment, please go to my Facebook page at Julie Goodnight Horsemanship or email podcast at juliegoodnight.com with your question and maybe I'll answer your question on the air next time. Our first question comes from Cindy and she says, my husband's horse likes to slow jog the whole trail ride, which can be challenging going down hills. I rode her last time and posted a faster trot, then asked her to walk, then faster trot and walk, etc. Any other ways to break the habit of going downhill? Why, yes, there is, Cindy. Actually, um, you know, this is just simply poor training. So the horse um, doesn't matter whether the horse likes to trot or walk. The rider controls the speed of the horse, not the horse. So the horse doesn't get to choose the speed. And it is a very, very basic uh, fundamental obedience in horses. Um, so an obedient horse goes in the direction dictated by the rider at the speed dictated by the rider with no argument. And so when you get, and by the way, that slow little jog trot is um, often referred to as a jig. A horse is jigging the trot. And uh, oftentimes it comes from nervousness. Oftentimes we see it um, when the horse turns for towards home. And um, I, I consider it disobedience and, and poor training. And you're just enabling the horse. And so um, there's there's some information on my website in the library about how to um, stop a horse from jigging. I believe there's a whole chapter in it in my book on trail riding and uh, called Goodnight's Guide to Great Trail Riding. And um, so first and foremost, I would address this as an obedience issue. When you tell that horse to walk, it should walk until you tell it to do something different. Now, when it comes to trotting down hills, this is a, a, a secondary and, and possibly even worse disobedience in a trail horse. So when you allow horses to choose the speed, then what happens is um, they just take off whenever they want. And so a lot of horses, when they're trail riding, they will just get halfway down and you're going down a hill, they'll get halfway down the hill and then just break into a trot and trot down the bottom of the hill and maybe halfway up the other side. And what they're doing is they're just they're just going with gravity, just like you would maybe if you were hiking. You might jog down those last few steps of the hill. But um, this is very disconcerting to the rider. It's unsafe. It's out of balance. It's unfair to the horses that you're riding with. 
So we do not allow trail horses to develop those kinds of, of poor uh, behaviors. So that horse should walk down a hill, even when it is more difficult for him to do so, um, to carry the weight of the rider. And um, so, you know, there's also, a, there's a great episode of Horse Master on my website uh, about this horse that used to just run down, as trail horse, he just run down these hills out of control and start bucking at the bottom. And, um, so you just disallow it. You, you make sure you've got a good stop on that horse. I stop him at the stop, top of the hill. I'd go one step at a walk and stop one step and walk and one step of a walk and then stop. So I would just not allow it. Ride that horse. Um, you dictate the, the speed of the horse to the horse, not the other way around. And, um, you know, just remember you're riding a thousand pound flight animal and if you allow that horse to pick the speed, if you, if you teach that to the horse, that's okay for him to do that, um, eventually you're going to run into a very big problem because he's, he's going to pick the speed at a time where you uh, highly disagree with his choice. So that horse just needs some better training. You guys need to be clear on who's the one calling the shots and who's the one making the decision, the rider or the horse. And um, just disallow it. it. It shouldn't be that hard, but there's lots of information on my website that can help you. So, okay, Megan, what's the next question? Our next question comes from Sherry, and she says, On the trail, my 15-year-old gelding just freaked out and spooked at two very well-behaved mules. I was trying my best to get him under control when he decided to spin, and off I came. What should I have done? Well, Sherry, sorry for laughing, but it's just kind of funny to think about. Um, not you falling off, but spooking at the mules, at the very well-behaved mules. And, um, you know, first of all, I, just to comment on that, and that's just a horse that's never encountered a mule before. Um, you could get the same reaction from a donkey. I've even seen actually that kind of reaction um, with a, a horse seeing a draft horse for the first time. Um, so it's, it's just a natural reaction to be afraid of an animal that you perhaps didn't know it existed before then, or, you know, it's possible he could have had a bad encounter with a mule before, but probably it's just that he's never really been around mules and he knew that they were something different. So what could you have done to get him, uh, more under control? So first and foremost, when my horse when a horse spooks, he is going to want to turn 180 degrees and run as fast as he can. So he's never going to bolt towards what he's afraid of. It's almost always going to involve him going directly 180 degrees away from whatever that object is that he's afraid of. Um, so first and foremost, if I'm on a horse that's spooking, I want to I want to make him face what he's afraid of. Do not let him turn. So I would quickly shorten up one rein if he was if he was starting to spin to the right. I would snatch up that left rein as fast as I could and uh, manually jerk his nose back to the left. But then he's just going to try to spin to the left. So I have to be ready to shorten the other rein and bring his nose back. And you keep going right, left, right, left, right, left until that horse just stops. And so if you disallow the spin, the bolt doesn't occur. So... Um, turn and face, but do not approach. So 
if your horse is in full flight mode where he's trying to spin and bolt, which it sounds like your horse was, um, I just want to turn and face and stop. And then um, once the horse quits trying to turn away, he sort of has no choice at that point but that to sort of look ahead, take a deep breath, and focus and relax a little bit. So I'll take a few minutes to calm the horse down, pet on him. Um, and, you know, in, in the case of where you're riding, I mean, I don't know where you were on the trail, um, but I would feel no need, particularly in an uncontrolled environment, like out on the trail, like don't, don't turn that into a training lesson. If you don't have to just get through the situation in as safe a manner as possible. If that involved getting off of my horse and leading him past the mules or leading him up to the mules to let him look at him, whatever. Um, you know, we can't always get off our horses on trail rides. Sometimes it's, it's more unsafe to get off the horse than it is to stay on the horse. But I would just look at the situation and, and see what I could do to get around it. This is not the moment to train my horse. It's the moment to get by this, get past the situation without an accident. And then we would later come back and say, okay, let's see where we can go to introduce this horse to mules so he doesn't freak out next time he sees a mule. So turn and face, let the horse stop, let the horse relax, take a deep breath, and then um, just mitigate the situation, get, get by there as best you can and then figure out what, what kind of training can you do later on uh, that will help you avoid that scenario again. Okay, Megan, next question. The next question comes from Mandy, and she asks, how do you keep your horse from falling on the inside shoulder, specifically at a lope? She already knows to move off inside cues at the walk and trot. Um, Okay, Mandy. Well, if your horse already knows how to move off your inside aids at the walk and trot, then you should just apply them at the canter. And so uh, it's super common to have problems with your horse dropping the shoulder, uh, the inside shoulder when you're cantering. It's easy for him to do. It is often actually induced by the rider. And so the first thing I want to look at is the rider in the case of the horse dropping the shoulder. Um, are you looking down? Are you leaning into the turn? Are you pulling down on the rein? All of those things would cause the horse to drop his shoulder. The inside aids that will correct a horse from dropping the shoulder is to um, just turn your inside pinky up and in towards the wither of the horse. So you're going to lift the inside rein, moving your hand up and in towards the wither of the horse slightly. This is called the indirect rein in front of the horse, in front of the withers, and it asks the horse to lift his shoulder. I want to be energizing my inside leg and seat bone at that moment. So my, I'm, I'm twisting my heel inside leg forward and in towards the girth of the horse. So I'll feel a little more contact high up on my calf muscle on that inside leg. And I'm really just sort of blocking that horse from dropping his shoulder. And um, the other thing is make sure, you know, as you come into a turn that you're not pulling back on the rein. So a, a lot of riders, in fact, I would say most riders have this problem when they um, are trying to gain control at the canter. When you come around a turn, you start pulling back on the rein and using a direct rein instead of using a leading rein. So kind of just kind of reaching your hand out to the side 
And instead of elevating that inside rain a little bit, riders tend to pull back and down on the rain and you're, you're literally forcing your horse to drop his shoulder in that moment. So it's really a lot about what more about what the rider's doing um, than what the horse is doing. All horses try to drop their shoulder in the turn. That's the way they prefer to turn, particularly at the canter. And so we have to train that horse to keep his shoulders up. And so um, make sure you are using your aids properly. And maybe you want to get somebody to ride, take a lesson, get somebody to watch you ride um, to make sure that you're not you know, making those really common mistakes or looking down, dropping your inside shoulder, pulling down on the rein or pulling back on the rein too much. So you can find out a little bit more about how to use the indirect reins um, and how your rein aids and leg aids work together on uh, my training video called collection and refinement. And it goes through all the rain aids and leg aids and how they work together um, to control the whole horse from nose to tail. So there's nothing um, special about how you do that at the canter um, when the horse drops his shoulder. It's just a matter of using your aids more effectively. All right. I think we have time for one more question. The last question comes from Nancy, and she asks, why is the right side of the horse the off side of the horse? I know it's because we get on on the left side, but why is that? Well, good question, Nancy Galleon. And the right side of the horse is just referred to as the off side um, in terms of the horse's training. And so almost everything that we do um training wise with the horse starts from the left side. So we catch him from the left side. We uh, lead him from the left side. Most often we, um, you know, tie him from there. We bridle him, we saddle him and we mount him all from the left side. And the reason why the left side sort of became the universal near side of the horse or the universal side that we do all that stuff on goes dates way back to thousands and thousands of years ago when the uh, primary use of horses was as war horses. So they were being ridden into battle and the um, soldiers had sabers on their left hip. So, you know, you, you pull your sword, uh, your, your sword is on your left hip and you pull it out with your right hand. So uh, because the sword is on the left hip, the only side the soldiers could mount from was the left side. And because horses are unique in this way, they're very one-sided in what they learn and, and how they think. So the horse tends to think with only one brain, one half of his brain at a time. And so the right side of his brain controls the left side of the body and vice versa. And when when you're doing something on the left side of the horse, and he's using the right side of his brain to think about what you're doing, he's not using the other side of his brain or thinking about the other side of his body at all. And so when you train a skill to a horse, you have to train it on both sides. And so we, we just, you know, I don't know historically how long it's been referred to as the near side and the off side, but kind of for always, I guess, because... Um, that, that near side, because first of all, not everybody does well with right and left. And, um, you know, we have uh, people that mix them up all the time, the right and the left. And then you have the horses right and left and the person's right and left. 
and those things are easily confused. And so sometimes it is best to avoid the, using the terms right and left um, because it, it that all changes with the point of reference. And so the near side and the off side refers to, you know, that near side being the side that we normally handle the horse from and the off side being the side where you want to be more careful because the horse may be less used to being handled over there. And you cannot presume or assume that just because a horse stands still for you to mount from the left side, that he will also stand still for you to mount from the offside. Because if that hasn't been trained over there, then all bets are off. So that's just uh, the origins of that terminology. I, I know you, Nancy, you like to know how things work. So thanks for that fun question. And uh, it's just a little bit of riding trivia there. But it's important, I think, to to understand the terms nearside and offside in terms of um, it referring to the way that your horse thinks. And uh, once again, when you have that good awareness and understanding of how your horse is processing information and how your horse behaves and responds, that in turn will keep you safer, safer around horses. Thank you everyone for a fun and interesting conversation about keeping safe around your horses. I hope you found some good tips that will help you gain confidence and prevent accidents in the future. Don't forget to check out my online membership programs. You'll find all the solutions you need when you need them. You can subscribe to my full training library or enroll in a horsemanship short course or join my premier level of membership, the Interactive Academy, where you receive assignments and personalized coaching from me. Go to signin.juliegoodnight.com and register. Next month, we'll tackle another horse training subject to help you find the solution you need and to help make your horse life better. Be sure to hit subscribe now so you don't miss next month's podcast. I enjoy sharing my horse care and training experience with you and appreciate all your feedback and suggestions. Everything that we talked about today were topics driven by our listeners, and I think that just makes the podcast that much better. I love to hear what topics interest you the most. So if you have questions or podcast topics you'd like me to address, please message me on Facebook at Julie Goodnight or email me at podcast at juliegoodnight.com. Thanks again for your awesome comments and for the five-star ratings. It helps me out a lot and it helps us rise in the rankings so more horse lovers just like you and me find this podcast. I'm Julie Goodnight. Thank you for listening and don't forget to enjoy the ride. sure to visit juliegoodnight.com slash academy for more in-depth training advice. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate your good review on iTunes so more horse lovers just like you can find my podcast. Thanks for listening and don't forget to enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm.